next to him, 168, Kamquat May. Psalms 27. The Lord delivers and vindicates me. I fear no one. The Lord protects my life. I am afraid of no one. When evil men attack me to devour my flesh, when my adversaries, my enemies attack me, they stumble and fall. Even when an army is deployed against me, I do not fear. Even when war is imminent, I remain confident. I've asked the Lord for one thing. That is what I desire. I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so that I may gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate in His temple. He will surely give us shelter in the day of danger. He hides us in His house. He'll place us in an inaccessible rocky summit. Now I triumph over my enemies who surround me. I will offer the sacrifices in His dwelling place and shout for joy. And I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry out, have mercy on me and answer me. My heart tells me to pray to you, and I do pray to you, O Lord. Do not reject me, do not push your servant away in anger. I say you are the deliverer. Do not forsake or abandon me, O God, who vindicates me. Even if my father and mother abandon me, Lord will take us in. Teach me how to want to live. Lead me upon along a level path because of those who wait to ambush me. And do not turn me over to my enemies. False witnesses who want to destroy me testify against me. But where would we be? Where would we be if we did not believe that we would experience the Lord's favor in the land of the living. Rely on the Lord. Be strong and confident. Rely. Put all your reliance on the Lord. Amen.
Let's go, let's go, let's go. 
Verse 2, this is what the Lord says. Tell the whole world and keep nothing back. Raise up a signal flag and tell everyone that Babylon will fall. Her images and idols will be shattered. Her gods, Bel and Murdoch, will be utterly disgraced. For a nation will attack her from the north and bring such destruction that no one will live there again. Everything will be gone. Both people and animals will flee. In those coming days, says the Lord, you, the people of Israel, will return home together with the people of Judah. And they will come weeping and seeking the Lord their God. They will ask the way to Jerusalem and will start back home again. They will bind themselves to the Lord with an eternal covenant, an eternal covenant that will not be forgotten. My people have been even as lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. All who found them have devoured them. Their enemies said we did nothing wrong in attacking them. For they've sinned against the Lord, their true place of rest, and the hope of their ancestors. But now, flee from Babylon. Leave the land of the Babylonians. Like male goats at the head of the flock, lead my people home again. And this is the word he said to me, for I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. And they will join forces to attack Babylon. And she will be captured. The enemy's arrows will go straight to the mark. And they will not miss. Babylonia will be looted until the attackers are glutted with loot. I, the Lord, have spoken. Fleeing from Babylon, the system of man is not like Zion. We've been called as the church up, up, up into Zion. The place where heaven and earth collide. Out of Babylon and into Zion. We proclaim this all over this nation, Lord. Raise up this remnant. We've been scattered out of the sheepfold. We call Hear the Lord. Move, Lord. 
it says it here, I will restore the sparkle in your eyes. Because here's the thing, it's like, okay, yeah, get Babylon out. Okay, but I need to see the heavens. I mean, we were made for heaven. We were made for, for him. So he's like, yeah, you're right. I'll restore the sparkle in your eye. I'll restore everything to you so that you can behold the glory of who I am all around you. Now, if you're dealing with, or you've been in this, or you'd like to just come forward, and, and maybe just, you don't have to, you can do it in your seat. It doesn't matter. The Lord sees you, but like, hey, I just want to uh, say to the Lord, turn and answer me. Oh, Lord. Oh, Yahweh. Oh, Yohei-Vaveh. Oh, my Elohim. My Adonai. Turn to me and answer me. I've been somewhat forlorn, maybe. I've been dealing with stuff. I, I don't, my eyes get off point. I want my sparkle to be restored to my vision. Everywhere I look, I want to behold the glorious majesty of who you are. I want to see only you. Seeing me, seeing you. It's my destiny. It's my, it's my calling. It's my devotion to be mesmerized.
Chapter 32, the invocation of witness. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth. The words of my mouth, my teaching, will drop like the rain, and my sayings will drip like the dew. As rain drops upon the grass and showers upon the road, I'll proclaim the name of the Lord. You must acknowledge the greatness of our God. And as for the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. He is a reliable God who is never unjust, and He is fair and upright. His people, they've been unfaithful to Him. They've not acted like His children. This has been their sin. They've been perverse and deceitful generation. Is this how you repay the Lord? The foolish and unwise people. Is, not, is He not your Father, your Creator? He has made you and established you. Remember the ancient days. Bear in mind the years of the past generation. Ask your father and he will inform you and your elders and they will lead you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and when he divided up humankind, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the heavenly assembly. This is to you. For you are the Lord's allotment. You are his people. You are as Jacob is his special possession. The Lord found you. He found you in a desolate land, in an empty wasteland where animals howl. He has continually guarded you and will continue and taught you. And he will continually protect you because you're the pupil of his eye. You are the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young. So the Lord is spreading forth his wings over you to take you and to lift you up in his pinions, to lift you up into the heavens, to lift you up into him. The Lord alone is the one who's been guiding you. It's been his guidance. And no foreign God is with you. 
He's the one who enables you. He's the one who gives you the strength. He's the one who's given you the ability to travel over the high terrain of the land and eat the produce of the fields. He's the one that will provide honey for you and has provided honey for you from the cliff. He's the one who gives the olive oil from the hardest of rocks in the midst of some of the greatest tribulation. The oil has flown and the oil is flowing out of your life. Butter from the land and from the herd and milk from the flock is yours. Along with the fat of lambs and the rams and the goats of Bashan, and along with the best of the kernels of wheat. And I like this. And from the juice of grapes, you have drank wine, Mountain Vintage. I just want y'all to be honored today, but it's more than just me. I'm just a man. The Father honors you. The Son honors you. And the Spirit honors you. And your labor of love. And the beautiful offspring that you produce. And all the generations that you have touched. And the house that you built here. You are the blessed of the Lord. And thank nothing other. And rest in the rest in Him. He's got you. He's always had you. You've always been His own. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both so much.
after the order of Melchizedek.
Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, welcome in your willingness to the rarefied air of uncertainty. In your willingness, welcome to the rarefied air of uncertainty where only I am certain. Welcome to moving into a dimensional space that you have not been before where divine exchange occurs. Where we're at right now. It's the willingness in your heart. It's the letting. Where we're letting. We, we went too far. Wherever the tipping point. Where we would never turn back. Welcome to the rarefied air of uncertainty, where only one is certain, namely Him. For the divine exchange right now, no matter what your intellect tells you, no matter what your emotions say to you right now, in the place of exchange, His life, in exchange for ours, greater, greater, greater glory, Glory of this ladder house, growing ladder, ladder movement of the Holy Spirit even now. Um, because of your willingness, because we've moved beyond, moved into some kind of place with Him in the eternal realm of the Lord. Welcome up to the above the atmosphere, above the horizon, outside of space-time. Outside the dimensional place in Him. What He said, Ephesians was written about Colossians. What Paul was talking about, carried away.
and we were all drawn up into the air one by one. The people in the conference room looked up through a portal and watched each person get drawn up into the heavens. And then they are next and they get drawn up and everyone is, everyone is drawn up. And they float in an organized line. Everyone is surrendered, excuse me, surrounded by the stars and the planets. Everyone is handed a scroll with secret information that hasn't been read before, which reveals the mind of God, eternal redemption. The conference building then explodes. And I kept seeing it explode over and over, um, but asking, why is it exploding? I then hear, I do not dwell in temple made with man's hands. And then Daddy, she writes, then reads Hebrews 9.11 and says, The ascent, jump into the third heaven. And the Lord rises into His place, not of this creation. Secured in the air is eternal redemption. The whole movement of ascent is under this blood, the blood that secures everything. Our own personal scroll has gifts for all of us in the spiritual realm. A gift like the mind that is like God's, a pure conscience, replacing our fear with faith, like Stephen sang last week. Light in the midst of darkness, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I want to read this out of Hebrews, the reference inference that she's making here because it's important for, for you to um, to hear this. Now, 9-11, but now Christ has come. And I don't know if you know this, but many believe that that was his birthday, um, September the 11th, as the high priest of the good things to come. He's passed through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands. That is not of this creation. And it goes on to say he's entered in once and for all in the most holy place, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. So he himself has secured our eternal redemption. This was brought out last week, but important again to emphasize this because it can never be overemphasized. Uh, and that's why the Holy Spirit's had it written for us. And then when you get into Hebrews 10, it goes on to say that this law, the law possesses a shadow, uh, which I just mentioned out of tongues. It possesses a shadow that the good things are to come, but it is not reality itself. And is therefore completely unable by the same sacrifice offered continually to perfect those who come to worship. So we can see that even the shadow dimension, even, even the strong prophetic dimension, is incapable of bringing this work of the Lord's work into our life. And so we have the precedent of Jesus ascending into the heavens, and then therefore we've been brought into this worship to ascend ourselves with Him. It goes on to say, for otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers but have been purified once for all, and so have no further consciousness of sin. 
And this goes on uh, repeating really back at nine, but extrapolating off of nine. He came into the world and he said this, sacrifice and offering he did not desire. And this is a key. And he said this to me a couple years ago in a prayer meeting. He said to me, so what? And I said, what do you mean, so what? He's like, you know, go to Hebrews 10, so what? Sacrifice and offering is not what I desire. He said, this is what I want, because this models the way of Jesus, but a body you have prepared for me. The Lord is so wonderful that He doesn't just want our volunteerism and our offerings. He wants us. I mean, real love is like that, isn't it? Love that manip or some kind of love that manipulates or imposes its will, imposes for offering and manipulates for volunteerism. But God can never do that. He would never do that because He's so loving. And so He wants your body. He wants you, lock, stock, and barrel, all of us. And that Jesus comes in this way and is recognized by saying this, a body you prepared for me. In the same way, you, yourselves, a body, have been prepared for Him. So when we come to Him in this way, the reason why ascension is so difficult for so many, maybe, or that it scatters us, is because as you rise, you're being transformed. You're being transfigured. You're being changed. So people run from that because the shadow dimension of ourself, it has to flee. Some of our thoughts that we've had, maybe they weren't right. If we've been carrying and harboring stuff, it has to go because you're coming into the very presence of holiness. And the presence of holiness, though, is this attraction of I want you. I want you. And it's come to me again. And you did this. He said, welcome to the rarefied air of uncertainty where only one thing was certain, me. So many people never come to the rarefied air of uncertainty because they want everything to be certain in their own understanding. Proverbs 3, as many of you know, says, don't seek your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. But then again, He says, I want a body. Now love this. Then I said, you're All the Lord is looking for is that right there. We don't have to complicate Christianity. It is very complex, but if we want to simplify it, it's a simple devotional thing of here am I. And it says, I have come. And I and I read this, the words, like, I want you to think of this like I thought of it. I want you to begin to think like I did. Here am I. I have come. I have been, I, my, my eternal spirit has been shot into this soul and into this body. I have come only to do what is written in the scroll of the book to do your will, oh God. I didn't come and you didn't come for another reason. Issue, issue with man, it's telling someone my size like if you take volunteerism and offerings out of the church most churches would have to close their doors instantly 
if you remove the offering and the volunteerism, you don't, what do you have? And the Lord has set the whole church on his body um, of people that would come to him and say, here I am. And in this integration of Christ in us, I have come. Um, you have come. Not to live our own narrative. That's what sin is. It's building off your own narrative. Your, someone else's narrative. No, it's not my own narrative. It's not someone else's narrative imposed onto my narrative. No, no. Oh man, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the, it's the full integration of God's life that He's designed, the divine nature designed and trained into your very life. Being a person, anthropology, in union with Him. Only to do one thing, that which is written in the scroll concerning me. Here's the thing, you ascend. It's like Elizabeth wrote, the scroll begins to unfurl. The great understanding of who you are will begin to open up. Yeah. You, so much so that you don't have to go get someone else to tell you what is there. That's okay. We start out like that. Maybe we do. The prophetic ministry comes to us, and it was good for us. There's such intimacy in the Lord and such idiosyncrasy with Him in His delight towards you and His desire towards you that no one could programmatically figure out really who you are. But the scroll is in the heavens ready to be unleashed in this hour in the rarefied air of uncertainty because in that place where He is certain, you'll find who you really are. Yes, you'll lose your life for His sake in the gospel, but you will find life. I mean, you will find a life that is eternal. Beyond the traps and traditions of men, you'll find a life. The best life. The one He designed. All He wants is agreement. Here it is. It's so simple. He's so easy with us in this. Here I am. You might ask, who is the I that I am? Maybe we question that. Climb up into the heavens and worship Him and be known by the Father. And as He knows you and you know Him, you'll be known as you are known. Your brothers and sisters will know you even in your anonymity. They'll know you by the Spirit. Just like Paul said that he endeavored to know others by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And he says again, listen to this. When he says above, sacrifice and offering and whole burnt offerings, now he's stacking stacking it and sin offerings you did not desire. And you didn't even take any delight in any of them. What are you talking about? That's the whole law of Moses. He says, here I am. I've come to do your will. So he does away with the first, speaking of the law of Moses, to establish the second. This life in Christ, this union with God, by his will he has made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And it's done. I pray over you.
I know as I've went up, my scroll keeps unfurling. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you as a person, it is blowing me away. Some of the encounters I'm personally having with the Lord, they're blowing me away. And I, I, it's almost incomprehensible who I am. <laughs> it's amazing. And I have no shame in saying it. I am amazing. And so are you. Absolutely phenomenal person you are. I mean incredible what he's designed and made you and formed you to be. And now I pray over you that this word like Elizabeth has, that as you ascend into him and you worship him, this scroll, and as he communes with you and speaks to you and opens your eyes, he says, do you believe me? Do you believe what I'm saying about you? who I am inside of you. This grow it open up to you like I pray from the Lord in greater measure like than you've ever experienced. I say this over you now. You say to him, here I am. Say it if you will. Lord, I ask you right now that the greatness of the revelation of the scroll that is written about them and what you say about them understanding of what you say about them will so impact their soul that the revelation of who you are in them will explode into their consciousness the greatness of the glory of God of Christ's manifest life in you that the friction and the fractal, fractal the, the things that have frustrated and your mind and have tried to create concepts and stuff that doesn't mean to be there that would be untinged from your consciousness. You would know that you're very particularly loved by Him. And that the love of the Father that sees you at His own beloved would so integrate into your person and that you would come alive alive with this eternal glory that the Lord our Father longs for longs for that Jesus died for that the Holy Spirit is after us for it brings great pleasure to the Father that you would know that you are His and that He delights over you. I pray that this greatness of this revelation of His delight would so like penetrate your mind and your heart with a fierceness and a, and a resolution and it would track through all of the lies and all the things that have been said I pray that this would be the, the thrust of everything that this ministry is into is that Jesus' blood would be revealed to your, your whole conscious being. If it's just so, if I had anything to give to any human being from Him, that would be it. I would want that to be it because I am so pulled away myself by the greatness of this man. By the greatness of who he is, but I can't hardly take it. 
He's so good. Here I am. Here I am. I've come to do the will of the what has been written concerning me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Yes. The great activation. This is what he's been longing for, the, the third temple, the reality of it inside. It took you 46 years to build this temple. Tear it down now and rebuild it in three days. I know how to build a soul. The Lord knows how to build one. He designed it. He designed you. He knows how to fix it. He knows how to completely revolutionize us. And he's into this. And it is unfolding. Let another part unfold in the, the revelation of who He is in you. Yeah. Don't go looking here or there saying, there He is or there He is, it says, but, but the kingdom of God is within you. Don't try to externalize the gospel when there's an internal work happening right now, right here, right in the middle of you. life and godliness he's given inside of you. There's no need to go anywhere else. It's all right there. Everything's ready to be unpacked. All he needs is agreement. It's a standing and saying, I'm not going to do something else that's not written concerning me. I'm done with it. you you got to be done with that which is not written about you that's written from someone else's code onto you or your own code onto yourself. You've got to reject the code that is not written that He has designed for you. You have to. It's more crucial now than it's ever been because the greatness of what the Lord's going to do in this end time move is that. It's, he told me that the thing that I'm after more than anything is this union. This is where the end time move will happen. It's, and it's more than evangelism and stadiums. It's, it's more than that. That is, that is a greater constituency in the kingdom of God whom he loves and delights in. Those in the highways and the hedges being called in. But it's more than Peter's evangelism in Acts that the Lord is after. In the revelation of John the Beloved, he's after a union of love in the inner man. He's after this union of, 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 of the ear on the chest of the Lord. Where the head is laid on the chest of the Lord. It's just one and one in union and one in one heartbeat, one heartbeat that matches. John the Apostle of Love wrote the book of Revelation. This is, this is beyond evangelism. Evangelism is wonderful. Where we're headed as a church is wonderful. There's so many going to come in. Yes, they will. But there's something so far beyond that. This union of God's love of being completely connected. No more disconnect. He longs for this more than any human can ever long for it. He showed me this 20 years ago. This is what I long for. And I'm going to do this. I will have this union with men. All I need is agreement. So we, we agree. So we just say, agree. Here I am. I'm not going to take an alternative uh, an alternative idea of myself anymore. I'm going to begin to reject it. Here I am. 
only what's written. What is written? I don't know. I'm going to wait on him until I know what is written. I'm going to wait on the word of the Lord to inform me. I'm not going to pronounce my own name just like you did it, that you set your word above your own name. I'm going to set my name less than your word. And I'm going to set your word as my primary, that you're the Logos and the Rhema, and I'll wait on your word. And I'll move on your word, Lord. That my own name is not more important than your word, but your word will give life to my name. Then the activated energy of God who agrees with only that which he has made comes to life. Because there's an agreement. And Humalageo saying the same exact thing. But we don't know where one began and one ended. For he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. As far as the East is from the West, I have loved you. chapter 4 verse 20 I have titled well the title of this and I hope it well, maybe it'll tickle you I, I really think it'll tickle Tom but um, Karen and I were talking this week and and I, maybe I can back this up a little bit last Sunday I, I left and I was feeling a little melancholy and I haven't felt that feeling in a long time and I was kind of surprised 
And, uh, and I said, man, what is wrong with me? I, this is really amazing what's going on. Why am I feeling melancholy? And, um, and I, the next morning, I think Elizabeth Johnson had put uh, this little note on Team Reach, and it says Comfort. That was like the perfect name. And I, I got to be honest, I wanted to change the name last week from Comfort, which is spelled with a Q, actually. Uh, well, but it's not actually. It's spelled with a C. But we had put a Q for Comfort, and that had come from a word that Jeff Manning had said. And so... So she put that on there. She said, oh, I think comfort was like the perfect word. And I was wanting to go change it because we're into Starfighter Dan. And I was like, why does Starfighter Dan need to be comforted? He's a Starfighter. You know, and I was having this problem and I was feeling a little melancholy because I'm, again, I'm thinking Starfighter Dan is like this cool guy and no one ever needs to comfort Starfighter Dan. Now, some of you that don't recognize you, so you probably don't know anything I'm talking about. But I'll try to build a little bit of background, and hopefully, I can, if you still don't know what I'm talking about, welcome to the club. So anyways, Kara, she's, oh, Carol. Kara's not, like, super comforting uh, person. <laughs> and my, That's my wife. And by, by nature, uh, she's a lovely person, and I love her, but... Um, you don't want to get a man cold with her or anything like that. It's not going to go well for you. Uh, you don't need to try to pull that kind of thing with her. She's, it's not going to... Yours too? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> they expect us to be strong and stuff. Well, Starfighter Dan, I'm thinking he's the strongest guy. He's an amazing fella. And I was like, well, why does Starfighter Dan need to be comforted? And um, Karen, we're in the vehicle, and, and she, she starts joking around. So she's making light of the situation a little bit, and she says, um, "She says, come quite may." <laughs> so Kara came up with today's title, "Come Quat May." And we busted out laughing, and I, maybe it didn't come off. I didn't tell a story exactly, but in the car, we're just dying laughing about come and may, and how this play on words is hilarious. Come quite may. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase, come what may, right? And so uh, the last few weeks in Starfighter Dan, the words have been being changed. Um, they're all Q words, like the previous 21 weeks that we've had of, uh, you know, Starcaster Blaster and, and Star Cluster Imperium and Starfield Astrocyte. That these Q words are interesting right now because, and I don't know what, Someone in here is going to know this, and literarily, I do not know what it is when a word has been changed. It sounds the same, but it has a different meaning. In this case, what? Homonym? Homophone. Thank you. It's a homophone. And so quake was the first word, but it was Q-W-A-K-E, and I originally named it Quake, Q-U-A-K-E, because that's what the Holy Spirit said, you'll call this event, Quake. But he said, I want you to change it with a W. And I, and I said, why? Um, and hopefully this will help, you know, build upon this and so that we can get into today because I do need to give a little bit of context. And, and I said, why Quake? And, and why is it with a W? And he says, well, go back into that message and and look at it and i don't know if some of you were not here but you remember i got into um 
Joel chapter 3, verse 11, and this section in there where it says, and let the weak say I am strong. And then the Lord takes this section of scripture of one word that's in Joel 3.11, that's the word for descent, and the only other place in the scripture that it is is in Job chapter 17, verse 16. And, it, and if you read Job 17, or you didn't get to hear it, go back and listen to Quake. But Quake could seem like, well, it was like Job's lamenting his situation as he has been put in a very difficult situation as a man. Um, he's making this great lament, and he's, he's saying these things about the Lord, which I believe are correct, but yet he's really been through, he's going through a difficult trial. And I, I believe the takeaway from that event was, and the takeaway that I got, uh, because I have to ask the Lord a lot of times, what just happened in our event? The takeaway was that the Lord was interested in like Job saying that he would descend down into the dust. That the Lord was so interested in us that, that in some way that even though we were made from dust, that he would take us back to dust so that he could integrate his life into dust apart from the wickedness and sin of our humanity. This is kind of what I believe he was doing with Job. Have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him Lucifer? I want to put him in a situation that's very difficult so that I can, I can purify him at a greater capacity than the capacity he's already walking in. He's a righteous man, yes, because the Lord says that about him, but I, and I'm not punishing him for sin. I'm purifying him. So the Lord's bringing greater purity into Job. And so the takeaway from Quake was, what do you have when you have a wake? Anybody? It's a place of death. But then he was saying in the same breath while I was preaching, but this same death will be result in what? Wake up. That the awakening that the Lord is interested in, he's working out in us as his people is unto greater purity. And in this greater purity, the Lord would allow us to be brought into situations adversity, trials, afflictions, that if he can, and he can, in our willingness, in our submission to him, bring us back to dust, he can extract out the root and very nature of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and infuse us with life. Yeah. Hebrews 10, again, saying that he can do something of such capacity in the human that he can remove the consciousness of sin. Not to say we're without sin, as John tells us never to say that, but the truth is not in you and you're a liar. If you say that, I'm going to make that clear. But that the Lord can take away the consciousness of sin so that he's so infused or integrated into our life through a dust or through a, such a purity that we would be so clean that 
that uh, he'll say this to his disciples before Pentecost. You're clean through the what? The word. That I have what? The words that I have spoken to you would so integrate into them and so transform them that the Lord was believe back at Job was doing this and so that there would be a quake. A wake that would lead to death and in the same breath a wake that would bring forth an awakening. And so Starfighter Dan starts out like that with quake and so and so we get into last week, and I, I'm ready for guns a-blazing, Starfighter Dan. Let's get this thing going. I'm like, let's go to war. Because Starfighter Dan is, let's do it. And I think that I was melancholy because the Lord says, go to Isaiah 66. And I'm like, no, I want to do war. I want to do war. I want to do war. You know, I'd love to go to war. And some of y'all don't know, I was military and I was enlisted and an officer. And I'm just like, love, you know, like the war department of the church. Especially like taking down our enemies and all that and putting the devil back where he belongs and all his little minions and all that. I'm really kind of into that. Let's like, let's get rid of that guy. You are too, if you, right? I know Tom is. When the war department comes online. <laughs> It's like, I'm dancing on top of you. And so, so anyways, back to last week. And so Isaiah 66 comes out. And I'm like, this is about a baby being born. Starfighter Dan is a baby. <laughs> well, Starfighter Dan is a star child. that's become a starfighter. Because the, the Lord is putting back the equipment within his people's hands of a Starcaster Blaster, as he said he put in the left hand. Which saw quantum gravity, by the way. But anyways, that's a very long story. Um, and then, and then star cluster Imperium, they put back in the hands of man the ability to guard and to cultivate. Okay, star caster out, star cluster in, guarding ship and cultivation back into man's hands. And then you know we went through this amazing thing, Starfield Astrocyte, which I got to tell you. I know some people are like, Carol, what are you doing with all these keywords? I didn't come up with them. Jeff Manning did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he came up with comfort, and uh, Kara came up with kumquat May. So I take no credit for these. Uh, but, I, but the earlier ones, the Holy Spirit's telling me, and it goes through this thing, and I, I was really, really, really blown away by it, that the Lord takes these first five Q events, and he basically shows how to integrate the mind of Christ into a human brain for a human brain transformation, the last two events of Star, uh, Starfield Astrocyte. I just said a lot in a short space, but it's probably one of the most scientists, transhumanists, Harvard, Yale, all of them, they're looking for this information. The words dropped it on this ministry. The exact way, not AI, the mind of Christ, how it literally upgrades through pluripotent stem cells, the human brain, to actually cause the brain to run the whole body properly. And it comes from the mind of Christ. I mean, this is evolutionary because it will lead to the glorification of man. Because when God made you, he called what he made good. And he didn't call sin good. But he's in this. So I was kind of blown away by Starfield Astrocyte. We get to the last one, and I never preached that Sunday. Uh, I felt like we ran out of time. 
And it was quasi-modo genitive. And it means, it's in, I believe, someone will have to correct me on this, 2 Timothy 2, 2 or somewhere. But it's like newborn babes desire the milk of the word. This word, quasi-modo genitive, was in the Latin of, of that. And it, it means like a newborn babe. Because of this dependency and vulnerability that, that comes from when we are integrated with the mind of Christ, it brings forth these brand new, like, little stem cells that our doctors in this congregation know all about, that if you have a bunch of those, and we did when we were children, and we've lost, but we lost how much, how much percentage of our pluripotent stem cells guessed by the age of what? Not, by the age of 30, you lose 90% of your pluripotent stem cells. Your pluripotent stem cell is a cell that can do what, guess? It can differentiate the things that you have in your body for purposes of regeneration. Okay, it can differentiate uh, for any purpose in your body to regenerate any type of tissue. Now, why wouldn't the Lord want, the Lord can take out of the mind of Christ and cause a quasi-modern genotype. Why is this important? He can cause us to become like little children, like newborn babes, and regenerate, I believe he's saying to me, pluripotent stem cells that have been mostly gone from us by the age of 30. So some of you young people, you might not care about Starfield astrocyte, but some of us that are past 30 might really care about it. I hope the point is landing that the Lord, when he says, unless you become like a, you can't enter into the what? The Lord was after this all along that he would restore the due of the youth of his people and bring us into a glorified humanity. And he put everything he needed inside of each one of us. And there's some way, and I believe he's revealing it to us, there is a way through the mind of Christ to bring us back to like a newborn child if we'll submit to living like that to cause a pluripotent stem cell revolution that will lead to an evolution of our mind and our whole entire body. That's my thesis right now because that's the one I've been taught by not by knowing this, but by being unknown and finding out in retrospect as a spectator watching God at work. So again, I'm up at Quasimodo Genita. I'm sort of blown away by the whole thing. I don't get to really preach that Sunday. I was ready to release what I just told you. I was like, I'm so excited. And it just happened to be on my birthday. And I was excited about that too, that I had another birthday. Happy birthday to me. I was pretty excited. So I was like, I'm like one of these little kids. And then I knocked the drum cage over last week, just like a kid would. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Okay, we're going to get into this. I'm just setting the context. Again, every text is a pretext without a context. And so we get, to, we get there, and then so the first thing, maybe you see this, quake. Well, wake up, quasi-motor genotype, wake up. Out of the dust, I will bring forth something new. You know, it says that, what is that? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 or so, somewhere in there. Someone can find it. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. You haven't seen it? It's going to rise out of, like, nowhere. 
quake. Out of a wake, what appears to feel like death or appears like I'm going to wake something up out of nowhere, cause something to come forward. I think many of you in here would bear witness to the fact that if you've walked with the Lord and you have, he's been bringing you along like this. And I think it would bear witness to you, though, that, and this is something interesting, say not that you are too old then. Say not that your years have worn you down so much so that you're just like Job was saying, your, your joints and your bones have ached and you feel like you'll never make it when this provision has been put in place for us. So you that have are down the road in your age, please take this, and I do personally, as you know, but take this as a, a blessing to you. Take it as that the Lord is speaking to us about he can restore uh, your physicality. I don't mean this ethereal. I don't mean this just spiritualizing this. I am not doing that because that's what blew me away. The first five words of the Starfield Astro site, they were out in outer space kind of words. But when he got into the last two words, quiescence, I believe it was in Quasimodo Genitai, that out of rest, I will awaken something out of rest. The Lord's interest then, I, I knew that he had been moving to bring us into a state of rest or Sabbath. That our soul would so steal in complete trust, vulnerable, vulnerable and dependent, like a child, that he could do something for us in the sense of causing Pluripotent stem cells to animate, restore brain tissue and any other physical tissue in the body to bring us back into our youth. This is, again, the thesis that I've, I've been under and I got so excited about it because the Lord is doing this in his house and not with these transhumanist guys that are trying to hook up AI to people's brains. That the Lord himself is after this and we have an enemy that's trying to mimic it with mechanical systems when the Lord made this as a reality uh, for us within uh, the mind of Christ. That we were, Paul says, put on the mind of Christ. And, he, and Paul talks about this transformation and metamorphosis. He speaks of a metamorphosis and even uses the language in his writings. Does he not? And metamorphosis means to literally be changed from like one anatomical thing here to another one. A caterpillar to a butterfly is a completely different kind of thing going on there. This is a metamorphosis that is occurring in us. So for the quake and for Starfighter Dan and for and then on to comfort and then bring out last week out of Isaiah 66 we marry Isaiah 66 to Revelation in the sense that there's 66 books in the Bible there's 66 uh, section it would be like a terse section of Revelation extrapolated so you look at the terse nature of the uh, language and we see that before a woman goes into labor she'll bring forth a child and then it goes on to and speaks this kind of language of comfort and uh, love he has for this child. And again, I was again I was sort of surprised by that because I thought we were going guns a blazing. 
So I was like, you wake up, let's do this thing, you know. And uh, so I felt melancholy and I needed to be comforted. <laughs> so I got myself some comfort. And it wasn't comfort food, which it used to be, but I stopped doing that. It's comfort water. Just playing. So this is this is where this is taking me, and so I'll start today. Come quat may. Come quat may. Come quat may is a resilient word. Um, actually, it's not. But come what may is a resilient idiom. Come what may is a phrase we commonly use in the English language to show our strong determination to overcome challenges and obstacles. Starfighter Dan. I was so happy when I saw this. I got my comfort from Kumquat May because I was like, oh, we are going to get into something. To overcome challenges and obstacles no matter what the circumstances are. It's a phrase usually associated with things like resilience, perseverance, an unwavering commitment to a cause or a goal. The idiom means whatever happens, no matter what obstacles or challenges interfere, there's a willingness to face whatever might come your way without giving up, losing hope in the cause. Um, when I was sharing this with Stephen this week, he said, you know, I think of courage, he told me, differently than resiliency. And I thought it was really apt what he said. He said, courage is like I took a hit, like it penetrated into my flesh. I took a hit to say, you know, Stephen's taking a hill, which he does for us many times, the hill of Zion. And, and, you know, and last week, you know, if you were in the event, we were getting riddled pretty good up here. And you can tell sometimes it's bam, bam. And people are like, we're going to press in or get in. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to, but we're taking heat up here. And um, that happens sometimes to us. And uh, Stephen's taking some heat. I'm taking heat. But it's like this penetration could get into your physical body in a sense that it begins to sort of diminish you. But you feel the pain of it, the hit, the attack. Do you guys know what I mean? The enemy, the onslaught of the enemy comes against you and you feel this diminishment come. And it's taking you out of the fight. You might go cover your head up with a blanket. You might get mad and mouth off to somebody, whatever. You do, however you deal with it, isolation or aggressive nature. I'll get you, you know, and whoa, slow down there, Dan. <laughs> get back in the right judgment. But anyways, and things are coming at you and they've penetrated you and they've taken you into like a, you know. It could be over the most simplest thing or the most complex thing, but it takes you out. It, you know, it takes courage to get back up. You know, no, I spit bullets out of my mouth. <laughs> But come quite may is different than that because it's like the bullet, Stephen said this, it's like it bounced right off your body. This resiliency has been so entrained into our humanity, maybe from those pluripotent stem cells, it gives you some kind of new sheath armor. I don't even know what I'm saying. Where did that come from? Stealth architecture. It's just coming out of my mouth. Where does this come from? I'm, I'm putting like a whole stealth, stealth, complete stealth shield around my body. And come quite me. I didn't even feel anything. It was like a balloon, like a whatever. Bring it. Guns a-blazing. Starfighter Dan's ready to go. 
I have stealth architecture. <laughs> what has happened to me? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Anyways, I hope this happens to you. <laughs> You know, I mean, what do you, if you got the comfort of the fact of what we were going through earlier, that you're the beloved son and daughter of the Lord, and you can't be like moved or messed with or um, nothing can move you. You know, someone a couple weeks ago was like, Cal, you never like, you're not listening to what I said. He's a, he said, you're like a thoroughbred horse. Stuff just pops right off of you. And um, he said, you kind of give me this look like you just stare at me and I know you're not listening to me. I said, really? I was listening to everything you said. He said, no, you're not. You're not listening to me. He said, I could tell because you're basically blowing me off. I said, no, here's what it is. Don't get offended with me. I was like, I'm waiting on a double connotation from the Lord. And if he don't double connotate on what you're saying, I would not listen to it. You're right. And he said, Psh. I said, don't get offended. I already warned you. I was like, because he said, your eyes are so set. And I said, man, we have this. It's going to come up and I'm not moving off of it. And I don't care. I will not take interference. And, you know, God wants us to be comforted in this thing that was going on in our event today. This reality of who you really are in Him. That a rest would come, rest would come over in this integration of, of a quasi-mitogenotype, the restoration of God's work inside of you that is occurring right now as we speak happening this life of a, eternal life erupting inside of you and then the meditation of your heart is set upon him so much so and in the comfort of the one that he loves you in the beloved as a beloved starfighter den <laughs> that that would build resiliency and that we would have this so many people are so beat up all the time and no, no offense, I have been, I've dealt with a lot. I, I admit, I've had my feeling hurt a lot. And I've been crushed and I've been beat down. I mean, I've had a lot of problems. So have you. I know you have. You walk with the Lord, you've taken a bunch of hits. But these things don't need to stay with us. No. You spit them out of your mouth. You get that stuff out of you. And you don't agree with anything that comes from that devil and his minions. And you recognize how he's worked his angle and work things against, and you declare the word of the Lord over your life, and you don't put up with it anymore. And you let this integration of God's life in you not say, well, I've got too old, or I'm too young, or I'm unfit, or I'll never amount to anything. All that nonsense that's colluding on your mind, or uh, unforgiveness, or not. You know, get it. Be done with it. The whole gospel of God's kingdom is built off giving them forgiving. And get some stealth architecture. <laughs> A resiliency that's, that the Lord, now I shouldn't have said that, get it, because the Lord's giving it. Let me rephrase that. Forgive me, Lord. The Lord's giving this. It's by His grace that He's doing it. It's not something you arrive, it's not a rival point. It's something He's, he's uh, designed for you. He's designed, He's designed for you a resiliency. It doesn't have to take something into yourself, into a wounded place and let it fester into greater pain and take you out of the fight. Because you are a star children that are star fighters and who can, like Dan, judge rightly that which is not of the Lord. And you can say, that is not of the Lord. Yeah. 
You know, even the Lord does this with Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's his like buddy. And he can see right through it. The guy, the Paul does the same thing in Acts 16. The woman follows him around, giving him flattery, almost giving him free advertising. And the Lord, or Paul speaks to her and casts the demon out of her and gets him thrown in jail. Jesus in Mark's gospel, the guy with the, uh, the uh, shriveled hand, he calls Jesus, he insults him and he flatters him in the same breath. He says to him, he says, aren't you Jesus from Nazareth? That was an insult because Nazareth was Bumpkinville in his day. The Holy One of Israel, he flatters him and criticizes him and the Lord says, come out of him, you unclean spirit, and his hand opens up. Because Starfighter Dan can see right through to the matter. Why? Because of the comfort that God has given of an awakening that's happening inside and a resiliency to just be right to it. A resiliency of right judgment and to see right through. Because you have what the Lord is offering us and we have so so what, what I want to do here in, uh, is I want to move into what I began in and that's Luke chapter 4 verse 20. And so let's go there. And then we're going to build back out of um, Isaiah 61 to be, to be, to be, or not to be. That is the question. Now, this is really important. It's important to the Lord. And it's, and it's a, some people could say, well, it's such a small little section of Scripture. But this little small section of Scripture Important to the Lord, especially in, in our day. And I'm going to work with this. I've, I've called this the intrusion of the cosmic scroll. That's it's really interesting. You know, I wrote this earlier this week, and then the Lord's talking about these scrolls today and everything. So I thought, oh, that isn't that fascinating? Here the Lord is doing this again, where it's like, oh, there you are again. We're doing things ahead of time. <laughs> Luke 420, he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Why? What I want to do is I want to back up into Isaiah 61 where Jesus takes the scroll, and I want to uh, walk you through some of this interesting and, and how it relates to this end time, again, the, the release of the cosmic scroll. Jesus gets up. In the uh, temple. How many of you have seen him do this in the Chosen series? Oh man, it's, that's, that's a powerful, moving experience. I draw your mind back to it because it's, yeah, that, that is a really cool thing he does there. But um, if you haven't seen it, watch it. He takes a scroll because he's, he's back in his hometown and things and says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on, upon me because he's chosen me. He has commissioned me. Who's this guy think he is? You know, I mean, I imagine they're thinking that already, but he's in the daily reading. It just so happens that because they're reading through a series of scripture and it's in the daily reading and that's time for Jesus to stand up and read and he's reading about himself. <laughs> that's pretty cool. The Spirit of the Lord, Sovereign Lord is upon me because He's chosen me. He's commissioned me. He's commissioned me to encourage the poor 
to help the brokenhearted, to decree the release of the captives, and the freeing of the prisoners, and to announce the year when the Lord will show favor, show his favor. Puts the scroll down. Does not read the rest of verse 2. Now, I, I want to highlight this because, or the Lord wants me to highlight this, because presumptive to the release of an end-time move of God is this revelation that Jesus himself walked through and knew in his first advent, namely this. And now I want to say this. He wants this same revelation in you and I, the first advent, before he can even begin the movement of his second advent. The second advent that is upon us, the last days that are to come forth, must come even so that the first advent has really, really got entrained into us. What is it? That the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. <laughs> because He chose you. Now, everything, the enemy and, and life and everything is ventilated and it's fury against that, that very comment right there in your life. To try to get you to believe in some, get you into unbelief about your uh, election in God. That He is... Uh, Purposed and elected you and sovereignly selected you as his own son and daughter. And to say that there's no anointed in your life or to diminish that in your life. Has, has that happened to you? Have you been in a war? Yes, you have. And uh, many of you, I know many of you. And I know you, and, but, th but this is a declaration that is first Adventist. Uh, this isn't even second Adventist. This is presumptive to first Advent. I mean, second advent. This is something the Lord wants. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Servant, because he's chosen me. And he's put me into it. He's given me a commission. And my commission has involved the encouragement of the poor. To help broken hearted people. To decree release of captivity to free prisoners. And in some ways, I believe in your Christianity that the Lord has been working in your own different fields and your own different ways in this way. He's been doing these works through you. He has. And many of you. And there's been, there's been this war. I think the Lord is saying to me even right now, I want this sunk up inside my people uh, because this kumquat may thing that we're, going, we're getting into today is I'm wanting this so secure in them like it was in me. I mean, Jesus is a full-blown human being, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Right now, he is. He's not an ethereal spirit. He's a man with a full divine nature in him that's glorified. He, he's speaking right here before he goes to the cross like this. I believe the Lord wants the same confession in our mouth without arrogance and without inhibition. And then the work of the gospel has been being released even up to, let's say, 2,000 years. And people have been doing this. A lot of wonderful Christians like yourself and other people. And then there's been maybe this transition through time to announce the year of the Lord that he will show his favor. 
And I, I think that this in and of itself has been a real struggle too, is, um, is knowing even more particularly the favor of the Lord. I believe that uh, we've been like, well, we'll suffer our way through it, <clears throat> you know, and grit our teeth to this thunderous sword. We'll take the sufferings of Christ at the cross. Totally forgetting the power of his resurrection. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the church, you know, is really good on death and burial, but less on resurrection and ascension. Preaching death at the cross. And I'm totally into the whole gospel myself, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Whole thing, though. Whole gospel. Um, you know, 85% of the church builds their whole entire ministries around the death of Christ and salvation. Some move into burial like the mystics did and being dead and the holiness movement did and sanctification movements. They get into burial function. But what about resurrection? And some get into that. What about ascension? And what I'm getting at here, because primarily what Collider, what we're working off of is death, burial, resurrection, but primacy of ascension. What about the favor of the Lord over you? What about the experience of favor? What about the believing of the announcement of favor? What about announcing favor before favor seems to come into the natural dimension of your life? What about that you're announcing favor? Because before we're going to move into the end time move, I believe this testimony, a qualitative testimony the Lord is looking for out of his people was so populate the very language of our mouth that we would believe and announce the favor of our God. Not that, not that I'm just favored, I am. I'm a real favored guy. <laughs> but so are you. And the announcement of the favor of our God not some kind of like, I'm trying to trust the word and believe for his favor. No, an announcement because it's real favor that's coming forth. Because, and this is where this thing goes today. Because two components here that the Lord himself, I believe, left for this end time or this last days is next. This is what's coming next. The day when our God will seek vengeance and he will console or comfort those who mourn in Zion. So the Lord says to me, he said, this is the focus and this will be my focus. Isaiah 61 to be. This was wild to me because back at YMI, I had started in Luke's gospel and I was preaching through Luke. I get to Luke 418. And the Lord tells me, stop right there. And I, I haven't picked up back in Luke since then. I didn't come back and I was doing expositional preaching like I'd done in Mark's gospel years ago, three and a half years in Mark. I did the same thing in Matthew and got stuck in Matthew 11 and stopped right there. I got in Luke, got to 418, the Lord says, stop. Do not continue. It reminded me of that today. He said, what did I tell you? I said, do not continue. He says, now you can pick up. And I said, am I going to do expositional preaching? I'm not asking you to do that, son. I'm, I'm telling you that this thing can pick up and gain energy now because I am intruding. I'm going to intrude into the affairs of men in two ways concerning two things that I'm saying in this end time move. Again, here they are. To proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all those who mourn in Zion. 
Yes, comfort. That the Lord is seeking to comfort those who mourn in Zion. I said, Lord, that's kind of like in reverse. And he said, well, the whole thing is it's divine reversal. And I said, so I'm going to comfort my those who mourn in Zion and I'm going to declare the day of the vengeance of our God. He says, you were trying to jump the gun. No pun intended. You're ready to go and declare the day of my vengeance, weren't you? I said, oh yeah, you know it. Now I'm sick of all these people doing all this kind of stuff maliciously towards, and you know, and demons doing all their thing and people who are bent on evil. I was like, I'm ready for, I'm ready to lay waste the whole thing, to be honest with you. I'm ready for you to come up with your robe splattered with blood out of Basra. I mean, I'm ready. I'm tired of it. I don't like it. I don't like all the filth and the pain and the hurt. I want to see families restored. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Um, so he said this will mark this. Um, this will mark this end time move. Primarily two things. I'm going to, and because I'm in the middle of this, I'm intruding into the affairs of men. And so now I know we've covered a lot of ground here, and I'm going to cover a little bit more ground, and then. We'll see. I have a lot of notes and I haven't really got started. And I've went over my time. But I need to say some things and I'm going to finish these things because they're important to the Lord and they need to be said. And um, you're free if you need to leave. Please feel free. Or I, I won't be offended with you or anything. So I wake up the next day after Kara had said, come quite to me. And we were laughing. And I opened up to Carrie Merritt's podcast, number five, and it says on it, M. Segula. It says, M. Segula, God's chosen what? Question mark. And I said, oh, he said a what question? And it was a who question. I said, what question? And I, in my mind, I was like, come quite may. Oh, it's a what question? M. Segula and I, I knew this is how the words talks to me in odd ways, but I said, oh, this Am Sabula, what is it? So I went and listened to Carrie Merritt's podcast, and I, I believe I put that up in your notes for this week. If some of you got to read those notes, they're extensive. Some of you've read them uh, on Team Reach. But uh, you can listen to Carrie Merritt, uh, and I, I think it's a fine thing. And so I want to go through some verses on what Am Sabula is. Now, Am Sabula is a Hebrew word, it's in the word, that means God's special possession. Um, because again, at the center of this work is this comfort of those who mourn in Zion. And in the kumquat may, the resiliency is built out of knowing that we're his special possession. Let me give you some places in scripture where Amsabula is used. Exodus chapter 19, verse five. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my, here it is, Amsagula, my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. So God's electing out a very special person, people group, and saying, if, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession, my Amsagula. I will give particularity to you. Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a, a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his, Amsabula, his treasured possession. 
out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 14, 2. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his Amsagula, treasure possession, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 26, 18. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you and that you are to keep all his commandments. Psalms 135, verse 4. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, but he chose Israel for his own Amsagula. Why is this important? Because God has made with his Amsagula an everlasting covenant. A covenant that we could not keep. When he says an everlasting covenant, he's proclaiming over us that even the covenant that you could not keep, even though he's called us to keep the covenant, that he will keep the covenant himself. It's everlasting. This is really important because this is where Kumquat May enters into resiliency. This is the foundation of resiliency in the human heart is that even though I've been unfaithful, he's been faithful still. I would even take my whole life as unfaithfulness in comparison to the faithfulness of him. There's no even comparison. He's faithful in every idiosyncrasy. I've missed billions and trillions of opportunities, I'm sure. There's no, no matter how holy any of us are, or even in our attempt to keep covenant, we can never keep covenant to the capacity that our Lord has. It's infinite, actually. The greatness of his infinite worth, but infinite covenant-keeping capacity is infinitely greater than the smallest thing that we can bring forth and yet he delights in the smallest thing that we bring forth of our own heart. And in some way through the annals of time he's intervened into us and built the Israel of God even within this ministry. And he's proclaimed over us the Amsagula that you are my special possession and come what may or come what may nothing will pluck you out of my hands. Nothing, no devil, no angel, no sin, nothing, nothing, nothing shall separate you, us, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. This deepening of this revelation in the human heart, this capacity to like dig down, builds the kumquat may, builds the resiliency into the human heart with this you and I, we shouldn't take light of it or make light of something of such grandeur or find ourselves in such particularity so favored that he's elected us and drawn us into himself. And this doesn't produce pride in the human heart. It produces true worship. It produces true honor to him. Election never was meant to make a frozen chosen out of a people group. Election was meant to humble us and bring us on our faces before a holy God and cause us to glorify him because we realize we are deserving of the very wrath of God 
And he has withheld it from us and put it on the man Jesus Christ. And that we would worship him because of that election and that privilege that we did not deserve. It's the most humbling thing in the world what is being said here. Because again, all of us are deserving of the wrath of God. All of us do not deserve his holiness and rightness and joy and affection of the Father. None of us do. And yet, for some reason, because he so loved us, he selected us. And now he's talking about your name, Segula, you're special to me. And I want this deeply embedded into your heart. Uh, this is what will build resiliency in the end of the age. This is what will comfort those who mourn in Zion. Stephen and I was talking about this because we're like, he said, you know, I don't really take myself as someone who's been mourning. And uh, we started to talk about this desire. And I talked to my children and Kara about this. Or maybe it was just Elizabeth coming home one day. And maybe y'all can relate to this. But there's this feeling that we've all been looking for. It's, it's hard to explain because no one ever talks about this very much. But there's a feeling when we feel something that's really good. And maybe you could go through back through your mind, through your history, and you could think of these moments that were so wonderful to you. And I, I would suggest that everybody's trying to get back to those moments. You're, um, how do I get back to that experience or that moment? Or um, where is it at? Largely, I didn't know where mine were until we started to worship the Lord like we do. Kara and I began to worship the Lord as a family. And I started to realize, you're my home, Lord. You are. And then I'd go back into my old stuff, and I was like, this, is, this can't be home. And then we'd go and we'd get into the presence of the Lord again, that transfiguration, that, that transcendent love that moves in the worship. And I said, oh, that's, that's, that's home. And then out of it again, and then back into it, I was like, oh, that's got to be it. And I experienced it in my childhood here and there, sometimes at Christmas. <laughs> Well, I always love Christmas, but you know, different experiences, different just moments. It's like a flash breaks through. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? And I think we're trying in some way to figure out how to get there all the time. Everybody is. People do it wrongly, and then some find their way. It's a narrow path. You find your way to Him, and He blows you up inside, and He becomes everything. You know that that's what you've been longing for, that he's been longing for you, and you've been longing for him. And in some way, we've been mourning that. We've been mourning and longing, mourning that we would be back in union with him, and we've been looking everywhere to find him. That we didn't know it was mourning, but we've been mourning for Zion. This is what made me so happy. He said, I'm going to comfort the ones who've been mourning in Zion. The great end time moved, the great and terrible day of the Lord. The greatness is the mourning, the tears, they're going to be wiped away. Why? Because that longing of the human heart is going to be filled to capacity, overwhelming explosion of the love of God. No more craving for something that not finding it, trying to build systems, structures, concepts, anything just to go find and alleviate the pain. 
Everybody in here, I bet you know what I'm saying, don't you? Yeah. You're longing for him. And he's longing more for you. And he is saying to us, you are my emsedula. You are my special elected possession. You're mine. Ah, yes, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> and then I started to see the wisdom behind why he would say quake then comfort. I knew that Starfighter Dan really couldn't get out there in guns of blazing if he didn't really know that he was a special possession of the Lord. <laughs> you know what I mean? That wild-eyed, sparkly-looking eye that you see in the gun. You know, what's his name? John Wayne. I can't. I wish I could do his accent. I can't do his accent. I don't do accents well. But. Well, somebody else can. <laughs> um, you're so, we're so special to him. Uh, but what is it? The eternal covenant. Eternal covenant, done. Paid for, resiliency, personified. There you go, Charles Dillon. It's a deal, man. Right? That's the deal, pickle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hashem is the one who made this. Hashem made this. Eternal covenant with us. Covenant is an everlasting one without end. Genesis 17, 7. Hashem is faithful to keep his covenant. Exodus 19, 4 through 6. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Psalms 89. Hashem is the husband of Israel. His am Sagula. Hashem is... Their God and they're his people. Hashem forgives the sins and offenses of his faithful. And Hashem puts his covenant, he puts his Torah on our heart. I love this. He puts it on to us, his whole entire covenant, just like Jeremiah spoke of and spoke of later in Hebrews chapter 10. Everlasting covenant is everlasting, meaning it is without end. I had someone last night say to me, you know what, Carol, I really want to hang out with you and be your friend and stuff, but I'm so concerned that if you come to know who I really am, you won't like me anymore. And I said, say it not so. Just confess your sins. And the Lord will forgive you of all of them. You know, you don't have to worry about that. For real. Like, I feel like I'm having to be self-protective or I won't be enjoyed or liked. I said, be done with it. The Lord delights in you. It's that easy. It's that easy. When he began to confess stuff that he had hid and tried to bring out but said, the church said, don't say any of those things publicly. The warmth of God comes in because it's just like he's not treating us not treating us bad in the midst of our sin is saying, hey, make confession. It's okay. I forgive you. The 
God's intrusion, and we'll probably get into this next week. I'm going to get into intrusion ethics with you, if word permitted. But I'll get into intrusion. And when God begins to move from common grace in his common grace structure into a special grace, when he begins to intrude into the affairs of men to unpack his consummation for the end of the age. And anytime the Lord begins to intrude in through common grace, he always intrudes in two ways. He intrudes with a blessing sanction and he intrudes with a curse sanction. What are they? I will comfort those who mourn in Zion, the blessing sanction. But the day of my vengeance is at hand. I will deal with the Pharaoh in your day. I will deal with the Babylonian in your day. Just like we began, I will deal with it. I'm going to put an end to it. Let's all stand together. When the Lord begins to make a statement like this in a ministry and begins to talk like this, and begins what he's done, he's already started, he's intruded in through common grace into the daily affairs of life. The greatest blessing, the greatest day is upon us. You know, people, they tie the book of Revelation up with martyrdom and everything else and like that. And they get all scared because of the 1970s or some of you weren't even around in the 1970s. But those of you who were scared to live in daylights out of me, I know, it's white knuckled my hands and uh, probably drew me to the Lord, you know. But nevertheless, this great and terrible day is upon us. The beauty of the blessing sanction is upon us just as much as the curse sanction against our enemies. The day of the vengeance of our God, but those who comfort comfort those who mourn in Zion is upon us. The greatest comfort being when the comforter everything's sobbed. My special possession. Yeah. Our whole entire journey in this end time thing is just from one glory to the next one. It's not the beat down for us. It, 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 listen to this. Um, but the path of the righteous, Proverbs 4.18, is the light is like the bright morning light growing brighter and brighter until full day. All this happening for us, it's just going to get brighter and brighter. Our enemies, darker and darker. Us, brighter and brighter. Till the fullness of the day when the Lord splits the eastern sky and comes down out of heaven. It's just going to be better and better. So you can just go ahead and come quite many. <laughs> Adopted as your own terminology. Like what Kara said. When E.F. Hutton speaks, listen to her. Whatever, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> it's just going to be better and better. Gooder and gooder, as Dad used to say. All right. Um, while Steve and them are playing, singing, uh, come, come up uh, for communion. We'll take communion together.
of our chest We just wanna love you We just wanna love you
this promised bride And I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow He said he'd come for me, he'd know when I'm ready. And my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh, I must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom My lamp is shining bright With oil to last the night And this passion, it is a fire And it burns with pure desire Oh, and he said he'd come know when I'm ready and I sleep but my heart's awake oh he's coming soon I pray oh Lord make us ready now Lord make us ready now us ready now oh behold my bridegroom comes oh Lord make us ready now make us ready now clean us up now oh the pure and spotless bride make us ready now make us ready now Behold, our bridegroom comes. Oh, for behold, our bridegroom comes. Oh, for behold, behold, behold.
Lord, make us ready now. Lord, make us ready now. Lord, make us ready now. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. Mm. Oh, make us ready. Yeah. 